0: Everyone wants to make the most of their life. Pastor and teacher Dr. Bill Galarakis of Columbia Road Baptist Church guides us into that focused and meaningful Christian life that will make a difference today and for eternity. Get ready for our next episode of Changing Lives, Changing Eternities. Here's Pastor Bill.
1: Someone gave me an article that really caught my attention. They shared it with me online, one of the members of our church, and the title of it is, How to Disciple Your Kids into Church Dropout Status. How to Disciple, and Disciple is in quotes, and this is something that they shared with me, I believe it was on the Gospel Coalition's website, and, and I wouldn't necessarily agree with everything that's on there, but this had some profound thoughts to it that I thought were important enough to share with you. Because when we think about changing somebody's life, changing somebody's eternity, there's nobody that's more precious to a parent than their own children. And as this article talks about, the the place, the, the center of influence for the life of our kids and of our teens really is not the youth group, it's not the, the church, it is the Christian home. And so what we do with our children at home is going to have greater influence for good or for bad, no matter what it looks like, than compared to church or the youth group. It's been said before, and 10 years ago or so, the stat came out that um, about 7 out of 10 teens will graduate from youth group and also graduate from church, meaning that they will not come back. And this is about the, the same as, as the stat has been for a while, but it gets a little bit worse. The number of people who come back to church after dropping out seems to be getting even worse. So what are we going to do? Or let's ask the question, what should we not be doing that is going to contribute to them dropping out of church? You say, what's the importance of a young person being in church? Well, the church is where they're going to hear God's word preached, where they're going to make connections and relationships with other people who have the same values that they do. Hopefully, it's a place, a community where they get their friends, maybe boyfriends, girlfriends, eventually maybe marry somebody. This is the the gospel-centered community of the church ought to be a large part of their life because it's where they're getting truth and it's where they're making important relationships. It's also where they're serving and using their gifts. And so... We want to make sure that we don't deprive them of that. You've got people that say, oh, I'm a believer, and and I know Christ as my Savior, and that is a wonderful thing. But then you ask them, where do they go to church? And they say, well, I used to go here, but now I'm not going anywhere. Or they say, I listen online, and I've got books and podcasts, and I listen to Christian music, but I I really don't do church. I have never met a strong Christian that was not a faithful member of a local church a local Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church. I've never met anybody that was a strong Christian that was not plugged in to their local body of believers. And so six different things were brought up in this article about what we can do that is contributing to our young people dropping out of church. The first thing they bring up is to attend church sporadically. And the the quote from this section that jumps out at me was, if you treat church like an option, your children will too. If you treat church like an option, your children will too. When we go to church when there's nothing else going on, just so happens that the weather is bad, so I'm not going to go fishing, or just so happens that all of my friends are busy, so I'm not going to go golfing, just so happens that there's no sports or hobbies or anything going on on Sunday morning and we just have some time and the weekend hasn't been too stressful or too busy and we're kind of ready for the week. Okay, I guess we'll go to church. That sends a definite message. It sends a definite message to your children, to my children. The church is really not that important. Church is really not that important. Before I became a believer in Jesus Christ, I was an atheist. And one of the reasons I was an atheist is I saw the hypocrisy of Christians. They talked about things one way on Sunday, and then they behaved a completely different way throughout the week. And that was one of the reasons why I decided that there was no God. I decided that it was a nice thought, but it was just a fairy tale. People don't actually live like that. And our children are watching us. And when we treat it as optional, they will. Now, I know from having four kids, that it's not easy to get your children out the door and to church. Trying to get them, especially if you go to a church where people are dressing up like they do at our church, it is a challenge. I mean, by the time you get one kid totally ready and move on to the next one and you're helping the next one, the first kid's taking off their shoes and and they're running around everywhere and you got to change a diaper maybe if they're very young. I get that that's a lot of work. I, I completely understand that. I've seen that from the inside. But it is worth the effort to give your child a foundation for life, especially in a world that is so tumultuous, that's always changing, that is covered in so much fear and confusion. They need God. They need their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And where they're going to get it is through the local church. That's where they'll make their friends. That's where they'll hear the truth. And that's where they will serve with their gifts that God has given them. So, They will pick up on it if we only go every once in a while, when we're feeling like it, or when everything goes right. We have to make the commitment that we are going to, when the doors are open, make sure that our kids are there because they're watching how important that is. Now, this can oftentimes come into conflict as your kids get older with sporting events and other things that they belong to. So the question then comes, if my child wants to sign up for a sport that's going to have them playing football or playing baseball or playing volleyball, and it's going to conflict with Sunday morning church or Sunday night church or Wednesday night youth group, right? And we have those things in our in our church week as normal meetings. You're going to have to make a very important decision on how you talk with your child about that. If you tell them, and I know that this is not popular, if you tell them you cannot be a part of that sport because it's going to take you out of youth group, if you tell them you cannot be a part of of that play or that extracurricular or that organization because it's going to take you out of night church or take you out of morning church. They are going to push back and may even resent you for it. And some parents say, well, my kids need to experience those things and they need to play sports and it's good for them. And who knows, maybe they'll get a scholarship and these things go through our minds. I get all of that. But we are sending a message. And our walk with God, our relationship with God, is about more than just what happens at church. But it must include what happens at church. And so it may turn out that your kids can't be involved in everything that other kids are involved in. But I would challenge you with this. Your kids will certainly meet God one day. And I want that day for your kids to be a very good day, a day where they know the Lord is Savior, and they've laid up treasure in heaven, and they have done what they could with what they've been given in a faithful manner, so that it is a an abundant entry into heaven, as the Word of God says. And the Bible says in First Corinthians chapter 11, "...be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ." Here the Apostle Paul is asking, he's asking these believers that are having a number of different spiritual problems and morality problems in the Corinthian church, he says, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. I want you to follow after me as I follow after Christ. Now he's not asking them to neglect Christ. He's saying, I am following Jesus and I want you to see what that looks like and I want you to do the same. I am hesitant to say that same thing because I certainly don't have the track record of the Apostle Paul. But they are watching us, and how they see us attend church is going to affect how they attend church. And it will always be more watered down than what you and I do. You know, some people, they have strong, rock-solid biblical convictions. And then that next generation never has their own experience with God, and so they just end up with beliefs. And then that third generation, they're just going to end up with opinions. Well, I think this is true. And when the hardships of life come, they're not going to have a foundation. So if you want to make sure that your kids drop out, attend church sporadically. The second thing is complain about your church. Complain about your church. Uh, complain about the pastor on the way home. Complain that the sermon was too long. Complain that the music was boring. Complain that things weren't done the way that you like it. Complain about the youth leader. Complain that he's he's not what you were hoping or uh, the helpers in there are, well, I know what they're really doing on the weekends. Complain about other families and other people's kids and how they're such a distraction. If you do that, you are setting your kids up to drop out of church. Now, what I'm not saying is never address problems. The Bible gives us a specific methodology in Matthew chapter 18 on how to deal with problems. And it involves you going directly to the person with whom you have a problem and bringing it up to them, the right time, the right spirit, the right motive, right? The right tone of your voice, all of those things and letting them know there's a problem with this and this needs to be addressed. And if they don't hear them, then you grab some other people to come with you from the church, spiritual leaders, maybe some of the pastoral staff, and you bring it up to them. And then if it's elevated even more, the, son, the thing is brought up in front of the church, right? This is what is shown us in Matthew chapter 18. It's a little bit outside of the scope of what we're talking about. But I want you to know that if there are problems in a church, especially morality problems or doctrinal problems, you don't just stay quiet about it. You do something about it. But what you don't do is gossip about it. Because one day you're going to want a pastor or a youth leader or a mature, older Christian teen to have influence on your child for good. And you may very well, on those drives home from church or on the drive to Wednesday night to youth group, when you're grumbling about going and about how it's going to be a waste of time anyway, and -and so-and-so doesn't do it the right way or whatever it is, you are going to erode the ability of those people to help your children. So when you and I complain about church, complain about youth group, the people that are there, uh, that gossip, we are going to gradually disillusion our children with church and with ministry. So that's the second thing. The first thing we looked at was attend church sporadically if you want your kids to drop out. The second thing is complain about your church. The third thing from this article, insulate them from the rest of the body. Now we have children's church. You call it junior church. We have children's Sunday school classes. We have teen Sunday school classes. We have a teen youth group on Wednesday evenings. But we don't want to completely isolate our teens or our children from the rest of the church experience. We don't want to isolate them, not just from the experience, but more importantly, since the church is not a program or a building, it's the people. Our kids need to know older, more mature Christian men and women. They need to be exposed to them. They need to see them serving faithfully. It's very important that they have those figures in their lives. I am grateful for all of the people that speak to my children kindly, that invest in them maybe as a Sunday school teacher or otherwise, and they need to be a part of it. That's why our kids, before they go to junior church, this is our church as a whole, they're a part of the song service in the church. They see how it begins, and then they're eventually dismissed to junior church. You say, then they have to walk cross the building and then get into the the fellowship hall and they have to get their stuff going. Yes, it's a bit of an inconvenience, but I want them to know what, quote, big church looks like. That's that's usually what the kids call it, big church. And one time I heard one of my kids talking about how if you misbehave, they were talking to one another and didn't know I was listening. They're like, if you misbehave in junior church, you're going to end up in big church. And I turned and I looked at him. I said, big church is my job. That kind of hurts. And they're like, oh, no, we didn't mean it like that. But what that shows is there can be, if there's a lot of separation between your teens or your children and the normal life of the church, what's going to happen is they won't make those relationships with older, more mature people in their faith, and they are going to be disappointed when they wind up leaving a perhaps very entertaining, engaging, small group type setting like junior church or like the teen youth group on Wednesday night, and then they end up in big church and it's just blah. They haven't been taught how to get fed in that environment as well. And so if we, as a church, isolate them, or I want you to think about this. Sunday night, when you bring your kids to Sunday night church, they get the full church experience of what it's like to sit in a main service, to sing the great hymns of the faith, to get all of the, the meat, the doctrine out of those songs. They, they see what it's like to see different people of different ages in there and talk with them. And they also hear, get to hear what the, the preacher the, the lead pastor, the senior pastor of the church, they get to hear him and how he preaches and get used to that and form a relationship with him. I know some kids are scared of their pastor because they never see him because they're always in junior church or in a children's Sunday school class or in a teen youth group. We need to make sure. And so when a lot of parents choose not to bring their kids back for Sunday night, they're doing their children a disservice. Not only are they missing out, on the word of god but they're doing their children a disservice because they're robbing them of an opportunity that they are going to need when they grow up and they become part of big church too and so when we don't completely cater to their juvenile tastes and they they have that awakening of what big church looks like they may very well just walk out so don't isolate them bring them to those church services that aren't necessarily just targeted for them the fourth thing is Ignore their crucial questions. If you want your children to stop following Jesus, ignore their crucial questions. If you want them to quit on church, ignore it. You know, parents and leaders need to equip their kids for the tough questions of life. They really do. That's one of the things that worries me the most is that either young people will not feel comfortable asking tough questions or adults, because they don't have good answers, will shut down those questions and those conversations because they're not equipped to deal with them. And what happens then is they go, the young people go without answers to some of the deepest questions, maybe things that are going on in their own heart and mind, and when they leave the church house and they end up either going off to college or off to the military or out into the workforce, when they do that and they encounter somebody who has an ungodly worldview— Someone who has left God out of the way that they think, and they speak, and they act, and they don't have answers to their questions, and these other people seem to know all the answers. Maybe they've got doctorates, maybe they have positions of power and influence, and they weren't given answers in church, and so they get their answers somewhere else, and it starts to corrupt their biblical worldview, and then they think, well, I'm not getting my questions answered anyway, and they don't really seem to have answers, so maybe this isn't real. So what do we do about this? I would say if you're a pastor or you're a Sunday school teacher or you're a youth leader, you're someone who has influence, you need to be willing to address the hard questions. You need to be willing to address them. You need to talk about um, same-sex marriage. You need to talk about same-sex attraction. You need to talk about um, sexual promiscuity, especially things before marriage. You need to talk about drugs. You need to talk about mental health. You need to talk about why we believe the Bible is the word of God. You need to talk about why we say that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes unto the Father but by him. That exclusivity, that is a real sticking point for people today because we're raised in a culture that talks about tolerance and respect for all people and that there's value in all religious traditions. And yet Jesus makes a powerful truth claim that there really is no other way to God but by him. And that's a hard thing for young people that are bombarded with this worldly mindset to swallow. So we have to be willing to do that. Not only willing, we need to be able to do that. If you have shied away in your own walk with God from the hard questions, such as why is there suffering, or why do we believe that the Bible is true, or why do we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God and we can't get there through Buddha or Islam or Uh, Mormonism, or or some of these other avenues, or just by being a good person. If we have never looked into that, if we've never formulated these questions in our own minds and answered them, we're not going to have anything to give to others. And so that is a prompt for us to study. And if you get a question and you don't know the answer to it, do not shut that person down. Do not shut that teenager down. Do not make them feel bad for asking that question. Say, that is an important question, and I want to talk about that with you. I'm not prepared at this moment to have that conversation, but give me some time, and I will get back to you on that. And so even in your own home, when they ask a question, say, you know what, I'm not sure about that. Let, let's let sit down and maybe schedule a time with the youth leader or with pastor or with, uh, let me do some my of my own research. But we've got to answer their hard questions. And so if we don't, We shouldn't be surprised when they decide that church has no vital place in their lives. So the fifth thing is, if you want to make sure that your kid drops out from church, church hop. Church hop. That's a term from going from church to church to church. Our culture in America, in the United States, is very consumeristic. It's all about the consumer. It's like a business mindset. It's like a service provider. You know, if you have a cell phone company uh, providing your cell phone service and you don't like what you're getting from them or there's something better, some sale, some enticement to go to another one, we just jump and we do that. Or you get your home internet, you get your television, you get your uh, electricity or your gas from... And you can switch it up because it's cheaper in one way or another. We do that. We shop around for the best deal, the most engaging deal. You know, we went to this restaurant and it was okay, but the one across the street has even better decor and a larger menu. So we're going to go there. And people take that idea and they bring it into the church space. They bring it into the church space. And so instead of staying with a group of people and building relationships, instead of asking God, where are we supposed to be? And then staying there, people will say, I want to go where the grass looks greener. You know, they have a larger youth program. They have better music. Their preaching over there seems to be shorter or it seems to be better. Or they have this program that I really want for my kids. I'm going to go to where I'm getting a better service. It's different with the church. You see, God leads us to be a part of a body of believers, a group of people. And it may be the best thing in town, by our estimation, or it may not be. But it is God's will when he leads us there. It is God's will. I remember as a newly saved Christian, I went down to Ohio State shortly after getting saved up here in Cleveland, Ohio. And while I was at Ohio State, I floundered for about a year, and eventually God led me to a church. And I know God led me there, but this church was not what you would expect, a 20, 21-year-old newly saved church young man to attend. It didn't have lights and lasers and fog machines and disco balls. It didn't have the most engaging band in the world up on stage. It, it wasn't in some urban setting with, you know, warehouse pallet wood everywhere. It was a church that had just gone through a split. It was a sad situation. It was a church split. And a church that was running Um, 150 between 150 175 maybe even 200 sometimes it had gotten down to being around 30 people when they would meet especially on a Wednesday evening it was very very small and God led me to this church and there were no other young people my age there there were none they didn't have any programs for me they didn't have any Bible studies for my age but I knew that God had led me there And I don't always get the Lord's will right and do it right. But this time, by his grace, I did. I stuck around and those people invested in me and they helped me to grow and they loved me and I loved them and I got to serve and use my my giftings. And that was a big part of what was going on. And if you just up and leave every time you find something new or every time it looks like the grass is greener on the other side, you're going to set your kids up. For failure because they don't make deep relationships and build up that habit and build up that habit. So find where God wants you to be and stay there. You know, instead of trying to go where the grass is greener, stay and make the grass greener right where you are. Don't just jump to where they have a better singles group or jump to where they have a better married couples class or jump to where they have a better music program. Stay where you are and make that singles class better. Make that married couples class better. Make that music program better. If everybody leaves to where it's good somewhere else, then it's never going to get any better at that original church. So if you want to make sure... Uh, that your children get the idea of a uh, consumeristic idea, and they're just always looking to upgrade to the next best church, That's, that is That is a good way to get them to quit on church altogether. The last thing is to marginalize the gospel. Marginalize the gospel. Real life change happens when a young person comes to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, And their life is transformed because now the Spirit of God lives inside of them. One of the most important things, really the most important thing, the foundational thing, is to make sure that the young people in our church, in our homes, know Christ as Savior. Because no amount of preaching and rules and lists and programs are going to change that young person's heart unless they know Christ as Savior. Because... When the word of God is preached, it's the spirit of God living inside a believer that works on them to change. It says, for God worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God who works inside of us to change us, both to want to and to actually do it. That's a work of God, and he does that from the inside out. That's the amazing thing about the Christian life, is it's not a series of rules that you and I just slog through. It is a vibrant relationship with God where God changes, transforms the mind and the heart and the soul and the spirit of a person. And so when we try and go for entertainment, when we try and go for the most fun, when we try and go for the most engaging environments, when we try and go for anything other than the gospel, know that you are shortchanging your child and you're most likely going to help them quit. Because if they get to the place in high school where they've gone through all of the programs of the church, but the church has just been one giant party, that their experience in youth group has just been a party, and they've never been challenged to trust Christ for themselves, they're going to walk out into this world unequipped for what they're going to face. And they won't be able to live the way that the preaching is telling them that they should live. If all you give them is rules and some program for purity but not a relationship with Jesus Christ— And when we say a relationship with Jesus Christ, we mean that they have believed the gospel, that Jesus died for their sins, was buried, and rose again from the dead on the third day. That he lived that sinless life that you and I couldn't live, and he died to pay for our sin, and he rose from the dead to prove that he was who he said he was, and that he could give eternal life because it's the life of the Eternal One, the Lord Jesus. So if we minimize that, if we minimize that, And our children come through church without ever having been saved, we ought not be surprised when they quit. We ought not be surprised when they quit. Now, everyone has a choice to make, don't they? The Bible says we shall all give an account of ourselves to God. So I could do the very best, the very best that I can with my family, and some of my children could still choose to not believe in Christ. Some of them could choose, even though they believe, to just leave church, perhaps forever or for a period of time. I understand that they get their own choice, but I don't want to be an obstacle. As a parent, I want to be the person that encourages them, that helps them walk with God and to follow Christ instead of being the one that harms it. So I hope that this article is a blessing to you, too. Again, you can find this. It's from May of 2020, so it's not the newest thing in the world, but it is a powerful one. You can find this on the Gospel Coalition's website, I'm sure, how to disciple your kids into church dropout status, and perhaps reading through it will be an encouragement and really a challenge for you, too.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Changing Lives, Changing Eternities. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our podcast to catch our next episode. To hear even more of God's Word, we invite you to join us this Sunday either in person at Columbia Road Baptist Church, North Olmsted, Ohio, or online at columbiaroad.org live, YouTube, or through our mobile app. Make sure you like us on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Remember, let's be more than hearers, let's be doers. Live out the truth of God's Word this week, and you'll change people's lives and their eternities. Until next time, thanks for listening, and may God bless you.